Oh my god, are you talking about the new podcast? It's called Gray's World. Oh, hi. It's me, Gray. And this is Gray's World, episode three. Um, that was just a little ditty by my friend Jordana. Um, how fucking cool. It's like a little theme song for right now. Okay. That's my little theme song. She is very talented musically and I will get her to do a theme song for me. (laughs) She doesn't know this, but I'm telling you now. Um, she's my internet friend. Uh, she's super cool. She's Canadian. She's got the best hair. She's so funny. Oh my God. Okay. So I met her on Tumblr. That is how long ago it was. And like, she followed me on Tumblr and I was like, oh my God, I, I can't believe it. Um, but anyway, she's my friend now for real. And she made that little song for me. I love it. I love it. And I'm playing it every time. I love it. Okay. So how have I been? Depressed. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to keep track of like my mood in a way that like, I feel like the week after I get my period, I get very depressed. So I really didn't eat a hot meal all week last week. Uh, It was a lot of cold meals. It was a lot of like chips and salsa. It was a lot of like cold cut sandwiches. I I don't have it in me to cook when I'm depressed. It's one of the hardest things to do is actually cook a meal for yourself when you are, when you are depressed. I mean, like, no, I will, I will absolutely just not eat instead of cooking a meal. Um, But I did make a cake in the beginning of the week that was hella good. It was, of course, brown butter because it called for melted butter. So I was like, I'm going to brown it. And it was um, olive oil, dark chocolate cake. So like I like a really moist cake that doesn't need frosting because, sorry, guys, I hate frosting. It's too much. It makes me sick. I don't understand it. The cake is sweet itself. The cake is why I'm here. The icing is going in the trash. So I didn't even make any icing, of course. So that was like, I literally think I made that at the beginning of the week and then I didn't make anything else until the weekend (laughs) where we made buffalo chicken and buffalo cauliflower tacos or wraps. Like, I don't even know what you want to call it, but oh my God, guys. This was so good that Josh is going to put it on the menu at work. Isn't that so funny? Like he's like, "Yeah, I'm 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 going to figure that out. We're either making like a sandwich or something, but it was it was like one of those meals that you eat and you every bite you take you're like, "Oh my god, this is so good." Um but we made fresh tortillas. Of course, as you know, that's my, our obsession. That's that's if you're going to if you are going to make tacos by from scratch, like you're making the filling and everything, just make the tortilla too. It will make the biggest difference. Um, and we did – I made the buffalo cauliflower. Josh made the buffalo chicken. Um, we had a carrot and celery ranch slaw. And then Josh made blue cheese and ranch like dip. And then, oh, my God, his buffalo sauce. I don't know how it is so good. I was kind of just licking that and just kind of eating it a little bit by itself. Um, that was so, it's like all I'm thinking about. It was so good that it was like days ago and I'm still thinking about it. Um, it was just the best. I will, I'll put a picture up, but I, I don't know guys, I can't take good pictures of tacos, which sucks because I make tacos every single week, but I can't take a fucking picture of one to save my life. So it's tough, but I will post a picture of it. It was so good. I hope that inspires you guys to make some buffalo flavored stuff because God, it's good. 
And then um, the next day on the weekend, me and Josh made – I'm sorry. I cannot believe I just said that me and Josh made this. I sat on the couch on my ass completely while Josh made like mm, – beef short rib that he sous vide and then seared and got this really oh my god the crust on it was so good so short ribs with like this like vegetable gravy almost like it was like mushroom onion carrot celery cabbage like in a gravy and then we served it over mashed potatoes and then put the meat on top guys I had a really good food weekend I think it was to make up for my terrible food week and it did make up for it because that was good. Good. Tonight? I don't know, guys. I'm kind of like Monday's the one day I will make dinner. And I'm kind of like, I don't know why. I'm just set on making arroz con pollo. So if I do, I'll definitely post about it because I've never made it from scratch before. I've made like versions of it, but kind of in the mood. Okay. What else do I need to catch you up on like other than what I've been eating? <laughs> Oh, guess what, guys? We did not watch a Tom Cruise movie this weekend because do you want to know what we watched? All weekend long, we only watched one thing. Look, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, we watched Entourage. We watched a lot of Entourage. So I had, I've seen Entourage before in its entirety. I don't know, guys, because I have. And so is Josh because Josh is a 35-year-old male, so of course he has. And we needed like an, an easy show that we both had seen before that was kind of like a comedy. And we were just like, all right, fuck it. We're doing Entourage. So did not watch a single second of anything except for Entourage this whole weekend. So I'm fully in it. Um, also, you know what I'm realizing? You know, when you rewatch Sex and the City, because I know that everyone listening to this podcast has rewatched Sex and the City before. Um, you realize that Carrie is kind of like the worst in so many ways. Well, same thing is happening in Entourage. Vince is the worst, (laughs) but I'm really not going to get into Entourage because I don't want you guys to think that I'm like, oh, great. Grey watches Fear Factor and Entourage. Like who is this podcast hosted by like a 20 year old dude? I I don't know. I don't know, guys. So that was that's literally all I consumed during the weekend. Um, I am going to talk about what I watched during the week because that is going to lead to my segment today. But that's going to be at the end of the catch up. So I'll come back to something I watched. Um, also dealing with my depression this week, so like was not cooking, but also I needed to come up with something to like help me because like <laughs> it was really bad, guys. I was like crying at work, bad. Like just every thought I had was like bad and. I just get so in my head and it's just a nonstop chain reaction of like bad thoughts. Um, so I'm really trying to help come up with something to help me with that. And I, I got some books um, delivered. I, I get them off of thriftbooks.com. I don't know if you guys know that. I I kind of just prefer to get my books there because they're always at a discount because they're literally like thrifted books. Um, and it I don't know. It's just cheap and chill. And I've just been buying books there for years, but I always buy books and never read them because I have a hard time reading. I get really distracted. I obviously have ADD that does not need to go. I'm not, I'm not taking any medication for it. So reading is kind of difficult for me, even though I really like it. But this week 
something clicked and I am just obsessed with this book that I got. Um, I got a couple, I got four books in total, but two of them were Carrie Fisher books. Um, I'm just in a big Carrie Fisher obsession in my life. I just, she's so cool. And I don't know, she's got a really good story, but anyway, I had never read any of her books. So I got postcards from the edge and that's what I've been reading. I'm like reading this book quicker than I've ever read any book. And it's kind of crazy. I'm like, I love the way she writes. Um, she's super relatable. I mean, it's about addiction. I, I don't have a drug addiction, but I mean, like, I don't know, just in life, you can really just relate it back to just a lot of shit. Um, I love the way that she writes. It's super like easy to read, but it's not like it's, it is deep. It's like she has, I mean, I don't know. I can't explain. I'm just so into it. I'm loving it. Like I, it's been a while since I've had a book where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to read my book. Um, because also sometimes when the depression comes, like, I don't want to watch anything. I don't want to look at a screen. I don't, I don't want to consume anything. Like I, I just, I don't have the capacity for it. So reading at night has really helped my depression too. So I don't know. I, I know that's kind of a, I don't know if it's lame, but t getting off of the screens and kind of like literally just reading a book and existing just in the moment has really helped me. So maybe that will help you too. And definitely seek out the Carrie Fisher books because I can't wait till I'm done with this one so I can read the next one I have. Like that's how I'm, that's how into it I am. Um, oh, one last other thing I've been into, uh, been up to this week is my friend, Anna, um, she owns a shop and they're doing like a pop-up photo shoot kind of thing, which is super cool. Um, but she was, she texted me the other week and she was like, Hey, you popped into my head. Do you want to create a playlist for our boudoir um, photo shoot pop-up? And I was like, oh my God, I've literally never wanted to do anything more than that. So yes. <laughs> and I'm I'm a big procrastinator. Like I'm a huge procrastinator. It's It's kind of like my entire being is just procrastinating. I made that playlist so fast that I was like, I've never not procrastinated. Um, so that was shocking that I didn't, and it was fun. Um, but then that's why I, I have a playlist this week for Grey's World. That inspired me. I had such a good time making that playlist that I was like, I'm going to make a playlist of what I'm listening to right now. Um, I think I'm going to do monthly playlists just because weekly, I don't, I don't change up my music that I like kind of listen to the same thing by months, I feel. Um, so I'm going to start releasing that. Uh, I don't know when. I don't know. It's just going to be once a month, guys. I don't know. I don't know the details. Um, but making playlists is also really, I don't know, gets my mind off stuff. And obviously music helps. Depression is my depression as well. So the playlist making has really been fun. Okay. But back to what I watched this week. I am, I'm pushing six months late on this, guys. This was, when this came out, <laughs> this show came out. I had, this was the single, how do I phrase this? No, the amount of people that reached out to me to say, have you seen blank? Which I'm going to tell you. And I'm like, oh my God, not yet, but I will. Um, it took me over six months to do it. The vow. Guys, the vow. Okay. So also something that helps me when I'm depressed is to watch things about cults because, hey, I'm depressed, but at least I'm not in a cult, right? So my life is automatically feeling a little better than these people who are down in the cult and have to get out. 
but wow, was that eye-opening. I had seen some other cult shows. I'm I'm just huge into cults, and that's why everyone asked me, like, have you seen The Vow? Have you seen The Vow? And I felt so guilty that I hadn't seen it. I felt guilty that I hadn't seen a show on cults because I'm so obsessed with cults. Okay. But anyway, today, because of that, I, I was so into it. I, oh, my God. There's so many. I hate Keith. I hate Keith Raniere. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate his hair. I hate his face. Oh my God. I hate him so much. I hate his volleyball. I hate him. Um, so anyway, that inspired me to come up with a segment where I'm going to talk about celebrities that have been in cults. And I think I have some that you guys don't even know about. Um, I think there's a few that you guys will, will be familiar with, but some of them will be shocking. Okay. So I'm going to go to a little commercial break. And then after we're going to discuss which celebs were in which Cults, baby. Okay, see you soon. Let's talk about cults, baby. Specifically, celebrities that were in cults. What a good topic. Merging pop culture with cults, my favorite thing. The first cult that I'm going to discuss is called Children of God. Calm down, number one. Um, Multiple celebrities have been in this cult, guys. Mostly born into it because it was founded in 1968 by a preacher. You'll find that that's a common thread. Preachers, reverends, they love starting cults. Um, This guy was named David Berg. Um, This was like a, you know, 68. So like it was like hippie parents and free spirit and love. Like that was the vibe. Um, so the first celebrity that was born into that was Rose McGowan. Um, she was born into the cult and stayed, her family stayed in it until she was nine years old. Um, she, so this cult is bad guys. This cult is like a pro let's rape kids, um, situation, which is really bad. Um, and she got out before any of that happened to her, luckily. But I mean, still growing up in that setting, um, she said the women were basically there just to serve men sexually. So that's just what she saw growing up. All women were just there for sex. Um, She, her dad was actually the leader of the Italian chapter, quote unquote, in Florence, because that was where she was born, Um, which is just crazy. Her dad is a Flor- a Florentinian cult leader? God. Um, she also said that the children were kept completely separate from adults um, and that she has almost no memory of her parents until after they left the cult when she was nine. Um, the reason that everybody was kept separate is because the leader was encouraging the adults to have sex with the children. Um I mean, of course, they were saying it was for religious reasons. This guy was just a pedophile. Like, that's just point blank. He he sexually assaulted his own children and grandchildren, the leader of this cult. He is, he's a piece of shit. And he's dead. And we love that he's dead. Um, but her family left when they – when the cult decided to announce – that sex between children and adults was now encouraged. So thank God that her parents had, you know, not gone full-blown crazy and stayed in the cult. Um, 
she did say that they literally escaped in the middle of the night. Like her dad took her hand and was like, we're running. Like we're literally running in the middle of the night, which is crazy. That is, that is literally like, oh my God, people actually leave cults that way. Um, so crazy. But I mean, I don't know. Then she moved. Um, I mean, not that this has to do with the cult. I mean, she had left the cult, but at nine, but by 15, she was, had already emancipated from her entire family. And then like, very soon after started dating Marilyn Manson. So luckily she got out before she was sexually abused, but still growing up in that setting is never, that cannot be good. Um, so she was born in 1970 or 71. So like that is the, that's the age of all of these celebrities who were in this cult. It was like, if you were just the right, if you were the right, like, part of the country in the right part of the country with the right kind of parents you were just in children of god which leads to the entire phoenix family uh joaquin phoenix and co if you will because at this point joaquin phoenix is like the only famous one left since river has died um but actually river was had more to say about it than joaquin because so joaquin phoenix and river phoenix um actually when they joined um children of god which was in 1970. They were in it from 1970 to 77. So seven whole years. I mean, shit. Um, Joaquin was only three when they left. So, you know, he doesn't remember a lot. And he, I actually really couldn't find a lot of things, like interviews that he said anything about it because he doesn't have a lot to say about it, unfortunately. But I did find that uh, – River did an interview with Details Magazine, and he claimed that he was raped when he was four years old by the, I mean, obviously at the hands of the cult. Um, but he didn't really say a lot more about it. I couldn't really find any elaboration, except for that Joaquin did an interview in like the 90s or maybe early 2000s and was like, oh, yeah, that was just a lie. But I'm like, what? Why would he lie about that? And you did grow up in a cult. So, I mean, that's. It probably happened, but I really can't – I can't confirm. But damn, that's disgusting. I fucking hate this cult. Like literally children of God, go fuck yourself. I hate you. God. Um, yeah, I mean cults just – I can't – I can't get past how you would let your family be in them. I can't. Um, also, children of God's like method of how they recruited people was literally – they have a term for it called flirty fishing – or, AKA religious sex work, um, which is specifically just when you recruit people to a cult by having sex with them. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, luckily, the leader died in 94. We love it. Someone did take over, though. And guess what? This is still active today. It just goes by the name of The Family International, which, guys, it sounds like such a fucking cult. Could you have not come up with any other name that sounded a little less culty than the Family International? All right. Um, there. I feel like there was actually a couple more famous people um, in this group, but uh, so terrible. This is one of the worst cults of all time, by the way, because the, the only reason for this cult was to have sex with kids. There was, there was no other reason. Um, okay, the next cult I want to talk about and cult slash celebrity. Guys, did you know that Glenn Close was in a cult? That's 
crazy to me. It was called Moral Rearmament, but I'm going to call it MRA because that is how it was that's how it's common, commonly referred to. Um she was in this cult from age 7 to 22. Um she did she has spoken a lot about this. She did an entire interview with the I think it was the Hollywood Reporter. Um, a couple years ago that just went into really good. I was, it was a great article. It went into a lot of detail about it, but basically when she was seven years old, she, her Harvard educated doctor of a dad joined this fucking cult. I mean, I'm telling you cults do not prey on like poor people or like, you know, they, they literally try to find Oh, this certain type of person that is just going to just, I can't explain it, but a Harvard doctor? What the fuck? Harvard doctor, Harvard doctor Glenn Close dad? Guys, his life is crazy. So basically at seven, he just got, I mean, like he discovered this group and made the family move to like from Connecticut to Switzerland. Um, Quite a, quite a shock at seven years old to move just for a cult, by the way. There was no other reason to move. Um, but not only did they move to Switzerland, her and her siblings with the dad, but he didn't even stay in Switzerland. He, oh, oh I'm moving on to, Con he lived in the Congo as a surgeon. And then also later on as the personal physician to the dictator at the time uh, of, in the Congo. So that's insane. So he was just so wrapped up with all of that that he had to stay in the Congo for like longer than expected. And that's why she was just in Switzerland in this cult alone, basically, even though her dad initiated her into it, but she wasn't even, she was just alone. Oh my God. As a child, that's crazy. Um, she said, we weren't allowed to do anything. <laughs> that's literally a quote from the childhood of Glenn Close. If you did, you were made to feel guilty about any unnatural desire. Like literally it was like control of everything. They couldn't, they couldn't decide what to wear on their own. They couldn't decide what to say, who to speak to, what to do. Literally, day to day, you couldn't control anything of your life. That's exhausting. Um, she would not go into detail about how she left, um, but she enrolled in William & Mary at 22 years old and just never looked back. And she said that they never tried to come after her or like tried to get her back because they just – she said, they knew I was done with it. Um, but damn, girl, like – how did you get out now? Because you specifically told me you're not going to tell me, you know, I have to know. Um, she did say that like around the age of 15, she was kind of enlightened to the fact that this was not good. I mean, she, she obviously didn't love her upbringing, but like she was a child. She didn't know any better, but at 15, so from 15 to 22, she was basically, she cited it for helping her get her acting career going because she had to fake that she was like belonging to this cult. Wow. We need a Glenn Close biopic guys. We really do. Hmm, let's see. Okay, guys, did you know that the entire, moving on. <laughs> the entire Arquette family grew up in a cult. You know what? That makes complete sense to me if I'm being honest. Like I'm like, you know what? I get it. I see it and I'm I, I understand. And actually almost I mean there's five kids in this family. Um four still alive, but five, of five kids, hardly any of them will talk shit about this cult. They didn't even hate this cult. It wasn't the most detrimental one. Like there wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't a ton of violence or child rape or anything like that, which is classic cult. 
it was more just kind of like a weird scenario for them. So basically, I don't even know how to pronounce this. Subud? Subud? I mean, I, I'm not – I should have looked it up on YouTube, but Subudism? Um, Subudism, I guess I'll call it. It was cre- – this This is like – that is what the cult is. It's basically a movement. Um, but it is. it was created in Indonesia in the 20s. So random. But, I mean, guys, listen to this. In 1969, this the group of the people that, like, followed this cult from Indonesia in the 20s, I guess it spread and it came to the U.S. And in 1969, just 10 of – 10 people within this cult decided that it was up to them to financially pay for a compound in the U.S. so that they could have a headquarters. And one of those people included David Arquette's – I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm specifically saying David. The Arquette dad, Louis Arquette's. Um, he decided that he was going to be one of the people to pay for part of the commune, which was in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. Crazy. Right around the corner, y'all. Let's go on a fail trip. Um, but basically they, and they all got together in 1969 and bought this property that was this huge commune. Um, a ton of people lived there, including the Arquette family, but it was really run down. Like, even though, I mean, I guess... (laughs) Even though 10 people chipped in, I guess it just wasn't enough, guys. Can you can you even imagine? Um, they moved. And actually, David Arquette was born into this cult because he was born in 1971, just around the time of Rose McGowan and Joaquin Phoenix. Like, it's so crazy. I had such an epiphany, like, researching this, that they were all born within, like, three years, all these people that were in cults. Um, but they were uh, – David Arquette was born into the cult in 1971, um, and also their living situation was – so five five kids and two parents, so seven people living in an unheated one-bedroom cabin with no running water, no electricity, no bathroom. Oh, my God. Okay, so not only are you going to force your kids to grow up in a cult, you're also going to force them to grow up in one room together because you decided that you needed to be one of the 10 people to help pay for the commune. I can't. I cannot. Um, But like I said, uh, oh, also, also guys, it was a former Christian summer camp that they bought. How fucking perfect is that? I love it. I love that little tidbit. Um, I mean – what was the, I mean, there was no even like goal of this. The leader basically just said that he went on a walk one night and was like infected with the like power of God. I don't even, I mean, like he literally said he was taking a walk and and God entered him. (laughs) And so then he all of a sudden had, um, he could, he promised that he could spread uh, the, the God like force without it weakening guys. I mean, you're really losing me right now because I don't care. Okay. Don't care. Um, but basically the Arquettes have all spoken about it and they don't really shit on it. Um, Patricia Arquette did an NPR interview where she was like, yeah, I mean, this is just how we grew up and you know, it wasn't the worst thing. Like she doesn't call it a cult. It's crazy. Like none of them really call it a cult. Um, Rosanna Arquette has just basically said that I mean, her upbringing was bad because her parents were like on drugs and drinking a lot and they lived in a fucking one one room. Um, but she does not even cite the cults as being the problem. So that was kind of like a, a wild card, how it was like a neutral cult. 
question mark, question mark? I'm not sure, but that was just wild to me because it just makes no sense like at all. Why were you – why did you have to live in an old summer camp? Oh, my God. Okay. Last one I'm going to talk about before I talk about Nexium for a little bit. Did you know that Tony Braxton, my girl, my girl, Tony Braxton grew up in a cult? So she's the oldest of six kids. So like she was, she had been in it the longest. Um, wait, also, guys, I'm so sorry, but I think I found out while I was looking this up that one of her kids' name is Denim. Uh, uh, what? What? Okay, look. My name's Gray. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just, I really, I can't. Oh, wait, hold on. What is, yep, Denim. Denim Cole. Okay. I just wanted to confirm that and talk about it briefly because her name, her son's name is Denim. Um, but no, she, so she was the um, oldest of six kids. So she was like in it the longest technically, but she grew up in, oh my God, I forgot to look up how to say this word because I can't say it. Basically, <laughs> it was called Pil- the Pillars of Truth, and that was their cult. Um, her parents were really religious, and and I think her mom was even like a reverend. And so, or no, God, guys, I'm really fucking up. I'm getting tired, and now I don't. I, I'm just like saying stuff, and I'm so distracted that Tony Braxton has a son named Denim. I can't move past it. Um, basically, the word I can't say is like apostolic apost oh my god i'm really guys i'm like embarrassing myself on my own podcast um but anyway it's called pillar of truth it was a super rigid congregation that just controlled everything about your life it kind of reminded me of glenn close's um mra cult because um except a little more geared towards like you are a slut and you are gonna die in hell that's basically Tony Braxton was told growing up. Um, They had to cover all of their skin, um, which was referred to as nakedness. So healthy for a child to hear that. Um, So he had to cover all of your skin, including the women had to wear full stockings underneath full length skirts in the summertime, like year round, no skin, um, or unless you were going to hell. And you had to be prepared for a rapture at all times. And they also made her speak in tongues, which she said she faked because she was only eight years old and she was just had no idea what was fucking going on. Um, so she she did not like it at all, but she didn't know how to get out, uh, obviously, because it's like her whole family. And I, I can't find any information on how she got out of the cult. So I hate that I'm leaving you hanging. But obviously she moved on. Um, but guys, she has got quite the wikipedia page so if you don't think that i'm gonna bookmark that for a wiki a future wikipedia of the week you're wrong i love tony i i know some about her but i do not know all and she's got quite the wikipedia page and she was in a cold god love it um one thing that i'm gonna just mention briefly but not even talk about because it makes me so mad that i just don't even want to give it the time of day is michelle pfeiffer was also in a cult um, right before she started her acting career, it was called breatharian, breatharianism. Hey guys, guess what that is? It's thinking that you do not have to eat food or drink water. You can just go outside and the sun and air will feed you. 
So that's why I'm not going to talk about it because it's so fucking stupid. And the fact that Michelle Pfeiffer is in this eating disorder cult, like I just don't have the time. I don't have the mental capacity. I don't care. Okay, I'm going to give you a little breather because I know that was a lot. But I do have to come back and just, I got to touch on Nexium, guys, because I haven't even talked about The Vow. I haven't talked about Keith. haven't talked about Allison. Oh, boy. Be right back. Hi, I am here. We're taking a break, a little brief hiatus from cults because it's a heavy topic. We're going to talk about convenience store snacks. Now, if you call it a convenience store, a mart, a bodega, whatever you call it, I kind of prefer calling it a mart, but I'll say convenience store because that is a very universal term. I feel like they, I walk in and if this is like a classic, like, okay, I'm getting snacks. That's why I'm here. We've got savory. We've got sweet. We've got drinks. Those are the categories. Drinks. I'm going for a canned drink usually, and I want it to be a sparkling flavored water, specifically Waterloo if they have it. If not, LaCroix is more often LaCroix is more often found, but sometimes more like larger chains don't even have single cans of sparkling water. That's kind of a more local thing. And I am a bigger fan of local marts than like a 7-Eleven or a Wawa. Um, but sparkling water in a can is my go-to. If not, then I'm going to go with Diet Coke in a can because most people have that. If they don't have it in a can, I'm not getting it. I do not want a Diet Coke in a bottle. It's already flat. I look at it. I know it's flat. Don't want it. Also, a wild card in the drink category is going to be a Gatorade Zero. Clearly, I do not like sugar in my drinks. I like fake sugar in my drinks. I'm just not going to drink a whole regular Gatorade or a whole regular Coke. I want that Gatorade Zero. Um, Flavor-wise, I think just any of the blues um, and actually really like white. I know that's really random. Um, as far as savory snacks go, Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its all the way. Goldfish, if they don't have Cheez-Its, but that is the order. It's Cheez-Its first, then Goldfish. Um, very specifically, a mart in my neighborhood has sweet potato tortilla chips. I know that's kind of bougie, but like, damn. If I find a specialty tortilla chip in a small personal bag, I am fucking buying it. Um, also, jalapeno kettle chips. I mean, there's different brands, but like, I want a spicy, I want a spicy crunch in my life. Chips are amazing. Chips are so good. Also, salt and vinegar is acceptable, um, but jalapeno is the top fave. Now, when we get to sweets, there's fruity and then there's chocolatey. That is completely based off of my mood, but I will go with some classics. For the chocolate, peanut M&Ms. Tell me something better than a peanut M&M. You can like eat it right away. It's really crunchy and satisfying. Or you can like suck on it a little bit, make it a little soft. Oh my God, the chocolate melts slightly, but the peanut stays crunchy. It's ideal. It's perfect. I also really got into plain M&Ms during the pandemic. And now that I'm talking about it, I haven't had it in so long and I am going to buy some tomorrow. Oh my God, plain M&Ms are so underrated. People just shit on them. Um, also a go-to is Reese's. I'm a huge Reese's fan. I do have one qualm. The normal pack has two. The king size has four. I think I'd personally like a three pack. 
I just feel like I would – also, can we package the, the king size differently? I hate how long it is. Like, it's just like I can't put it in my bag. It's so fucking long. Like, we really need a packaging redesign on a king size Reese's. Um, other chocolatey snacks. I mean, this is a completely a complete mood thing. I, typically, I don't move past M&M's or Reese's. If the mood strikes me, I'll go with the cookies and cream. I know that's fucking random. Um, as far as fruity candy goes, I am literally open to any and all of it. Starburst, so good. Uh, yes, I do like original, but I will go with a, a funzy Starburst pass. Um, I can't fuck with Skittles. I smell a Skittle and I get a headache. I don't know. I don't know, guys. <laughs> can't fuck with Skittles. Um, also gummies. Oh my God. Gummies of any kind. Uh, I love Haribo. I love Sour Scuddy, um, Twin Snakes, all, all of Haribo. Um, but also just like a classic gummy worm, something about it. So good. So good. Love that there's two flavors in one. No one talks about that. What a value. Two flavors in each gummy worm. Love it. And also just an honorable mention to all penny candy. Any mart that sells penny candy, I love you. Thank you. Let me buy a singular Tootsie Roll while I also buy a singular Jolly Rancher, but also throw in a singular yellow and pink Starburst, but also throw in a chocolate-covered cherry. Thank you so much. Okay, now on to The Vow, which is the show, the docuseries on HBO, um, about the Nexium cult, amongst other things, I'd say, but it is about the Nexium cult. Now, I was deciding on what to say about Nexium, and I was kind of just going to go over my favorite parts of the series. Um, but on one hand, I feel like it's been done. I just feel like everyone talked about this six months ago. <laughs> um, uh, so what I decided to do, I'm going to give you a rundown of the main players, if you will, on this docu-series. Because, um, oh, there are there are specific main players. And I'm going to give you a little rundown. And then I am going to discuss, and I'll tell you why, what reality competition show I think that they would go on now in 2020. Now, this is obviously just a game. Keith is in prison. He can't ever be on a reality show. You bitch. But this is just hypothetical. <laughs> and why am I doing this? Let me tell you. Last week, I was shook by the news that not only does the U.S. have a show, have a reality show called The Masked Dancer. Oh, God. I hate all those shows. But I, I was sad to learn that we had a show that that was the premise, but guys, Elizabeth Smart was on the show. I mean, I was like, I remember where I was as a child when we learned that she had been found. Like, I'm big into, like, cases or trials, like, anything. I love that shit. So, the Elizabeth Smart abduction and, oh my god, the people who took her, I was so scared of them on the cover of People magazine as a child. I was like, I am so scared of these people. Um, so her being on a show called The Masked Dancer, 
made me go, okay, then the people from the Nexium cult can be on any fucking reality show. But let me tell you who each person is first. Obviously, the cult leader is named Keith, Keith Ranieri. I, you know what? I'm calling bullshit that that's even his last name because that seems like it's like a French last name. And I don't think he's French. Uh, he's the cult leader um, in the show. I guess he's, you know, in his 50s right now. He's 60 in jail forever. Um, he started Nexium in 1998. He's like the master manipulator, brainwasher man. Um, he's the biggest bullshit talker of all fucking time. People gather around him and listen to him spew things but don't even question any of them. And if if you do question it, you're basically like ridiculed and shut down. So Keith is gross. His right-hand man, who is Mark, this is actually an ex-Nexium member. He's also a documentary filmmaker. He's Keith's BFF. He met Keith through him being a documentary filmmaker because Keith wanted him to make a movie about him. <laughs> Of course. But guess what? All that footage got turned into the Val <laughs> or most of it. I mean, we were lucky that we had so much footage, but it's like, hey, Mark, why did you have this much footage? Okay, calm down. Um, also, he recruited a lot of people, including his friend Sarah, who is also on the show as an ex-member. Um she is basically, I guess, the fire starter. Is, uh, no, no, whistleblower. <laughs> She's the one that basically was like, I'm leaving and I'm telling everyone everything. Um, I had seen a show previously called Cults and Extreme Beliefs. Um, it's an A&E show, but I watched it on Hulu. And Sarah was also on that show. So I was a little familiar with Sarah before going into The Vow. Um, but we're, we're proud of her for leaving. Um, so she did – she made it to the level of this cult that they brand you. Yes, Keith has a level of his cult where he's literally carving his initials into women. Okay. So she got that done to her and it was so traumatic. She tells Mark and then that's how Mark decides he needs to leave the group too. So Sarah kind of gets Mark and herself out of the cult. Uh, just one thing I have to say about Sarah uh, she's married to another cult or an ex-cult member. He goes by Nippy. It's never discussed. People just accept it. It's a nickname. He chose it. It's Nippy. Moving on. There is Allison Mack, who is the actress who most people know um, is like the one famous actress that, you know, made it all the way to the top. She is the most brainwashed person in, in Nexium. She is like Keith's... I mean, I don't want to say wife, but like the initials that Keith carves into the women is like, it's also her initials. It's double their initials. Um, she's completely under his spell. We actually get to see the first scene of them meeting. It's at a volleyball game because that's right, guys. Keith loves making every member of this cult play volleyball all the fucking time. And he, he rocks a real uh, ponytail and sweatband look that is nauseating. But we get to see their first meeting. And, I mean, he's got Allison Mack instantly. Like, she she basically goes through, like, every emotion within five minutes of meeting him. She's, like, happy, sad, tense, crying, laughing again. I'm, like, oh, God, girl. <laughs> Good luck. I could tell from then she was just going to be sucked into this. 
Um, okay, and the last player I want to talk about is Catherine Oxenberg. This is the mom of a woman that is stuck in the cult. India is stuck in the cult. Her mom is Catherine Oxenberg. She is also an actress. Um, she's a little older than Allison. Allison is like 30-something. And Catherine Oxenberg is um, the mom of a girl. She's also in like Dynasty. That's what they keep referencing. <laughs> I, I don't know if she's in anything else because they – keep saying dynasty over and over and I haven't looked up if she's anything else in anything else. Um so I mean I don't know what it, she's kind of like Brit, she's half British I want to say. I don't even think she's full British. Um she's the, randomly the daughter of a princess from the royal family. Like what? Um so she she starts out just kind of trying to get her daughter out of this cult. Doesn't know anything about this cult. Has to learn about it from Mark and Sarah. And at the end, she's basically running the show. She's going on talk shows. She's like, I mean, obviously she still wants to get her daughter back, but it, it it's funny to watch her transformation within the documentary because she kind of because she wants to be the main player. She's like, stop talking about Keith and start talking about me. That's how I feel about her. So that's the rundown of the main players that I'm going to talk about. I mean, there was a few more, but those that's who I want to talk about. So which reality competition show? would each of these people be on? God damn it. My cat is using her litter boxes. It's not a good time. I hope you don't hear it. Okay. So for Mark, the documentary filmmaker guy who's Keith's BFF, I really see him being on Survivor. I know that's not really a competition show, but you know what I mean, like reality show. I really see him being on Survivor, guys. So before Nexium and all that, he was also involved in another cult. So obviously he's a follower. And I feel like with Survivor, you kind of do like – you kind of find your leader and you kind of group together. I feel like he would be getting screwed over and probably like leave pretty soon on and be like, what? You guys didn't trust me? Like he doesn't know himself at all. <laughs> he's so unsure. Um, but he loves following people. So I'm really feeling survivor for Mark. Also, he would be trying to like film his own POV of like, well, this is how I see survivor. Oh God, you know, he so would. Now for Sarah, I'm going back and forth. Sarah is the woman who like initially was the one that was like, I'm leaving and telling everybody. On one hand, I see her. I definitely see her on The Bachelor or Bachelorette. Um, I mean, really. But anyway, in case in case you were wondering which reality shows each Nexium cult member would be on, I got you covered, guys. <laughs> Ooh, I love them. Oh, fave of the week. This week's fave of the week is actually, I, I guess I'll call it a fave of all time. Um, this is something that I cannot live my life without. I did try, and actually I did live my life without it during the beginning of quarantine, and my life was shit, okay? I don't know if it was specifically because I didn't have any dry shampoo. Dry shampoo, I love you. I hope you're listening. If you are, I just, you know how big of a fan I am of you. Um, thank you for your work. I will, I will always recommend you to people and talk so highly of you. Um, okay, so what's my preferred brand? It's Batiste. I'm a Batiste bitch. Okay, and I have tried all of them, guys. I mean, I, I actually feel like I was one of the first people <laughs> to start using dry shampoo. I'm, I don't even – there was one. It was – there was 
suave which actually guys i used the suave like two 2.99 can for most of my life like i i that's a great cheapo product that actually works is suave dry shampoo um it's not my favorite brand for a lot of stuff but for that it's shockingly good um but the scent of batiste has won me over and i i've realized that as much as i use dry shampoo which is a lot. Like, guys, I took one shower last week. Every other day, I use dry shampoo. Um, so I use it quite a lot. And the scent is a big part of it because you're going to be smelling it when you put it on. You're going to be smelling it throughout the whole day, especially if you're wearing it days in a row like me. You're going to – the smell is just going to be kind of like your perfume a little bit. So the suave was just kind of getting to me. I was like, it's kind of chemically smelling. I mean, I know it's dry shampoo. You know, it's going to smell a little bit like chemicals. But the Batiste, specifically the tropical scent. Ooh, it's like I'm on vacay, baby. And you know I'm not showering on vacation because I hate showering. So I'm extra. Okay, so I have to like seek out when I travel. (laughs) Do you remember traveling? (laughs) Um, when I'm traveling in 10 years from now, I have to specific, I have to search like weeks in advance online to find the travel size Batiste, um, tropical because I will not, I'm not, if if I'm going on vacation, I want my faves and I want my shit. So I'm not going to like get a shitty dry shampoo just for the hell of it. Um, so right now, actually I could not going to hold of, I couldn't find any um, tropical scents, so I'm using original, and I'm not going to lie. It's bothering me. It's bothering me to my core, Um, but I am going to power through it because since I'm not showering that much, it's going to be gone right quick, okay? It's not going to last that long anyway, so fuck it. Um, Other brands that I've tried, um, Tresemme seemed to be like the second one that popped up in the market. I'm talking like back when I was in high school. Um... And I, I think it's okay. It's definitely not my favorite. It doesn't last that long. I feel like I would have to apply it several times a day, which is like, I'm not here for that. The Batiste is like once in the morning and it looks so good. Um, really recommend the Batiste if you haven't tried it yet. Um, what are some other brands I've tried? I definitely have tried Dove and I hate it. I hate the scent of the Dove and I actually hate the way the can feels. It's like matte. I'm a big no to the dry shampoo dove. Um, oh, oh my God. There is this like European brand called chlorine, which God, now that I'm thinking about it, that's a terrible, it's just chlorine. So wow. I bought that for years and it's literally called chlorine, but anyway, chlorine, um, their shampoo and conditioner is so good. It's just pricey. So now that I'm on a budget, I don't use it anymore, but if I had infinite money, I would be and their dry shampoo. I mean, it's like fucking $20, guys. I, I I don't even know if I can recommend that to you realistically, but I don't know. If there's a sale or something, wow, it's the best. The scent, the scent is so good. You can't even tell it's a product that is like used to clean. I, I love it. But ride or die, gotta say, I'm a Batiste girl forever. So, Uh, I want to just shout out to Dry Shampoo for making sure and, like, keeping me out of that shower, baby. Keeping me dry, keeping me out of that shower, what is so boring. God, I hate taking showers. I literally have to, like, bring my phone into my bathroom and either play a podcast or a very specific couple songs that I know will distract me from hating the shower. 
I don't smell bad. I swear. I swear I don't smell bad. Also, Josh does not give a shit how much I shower, so. <laughs> but anyway, Batiste, tropical. Try it, baby. Greg, you've always been my favorite child. <laughs> 